podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Post Match Raw. I am not Trev. Um, his internet has put him in the shit, but more importantly, has put me in the shit, because I have to talk about that game. Christ. Um, yeah, I am with Dave and Carl. Dave, as God, initial reactions to Liverpool 3, Brighton 3. Well, let's just be clear. I don't believe that Danny's internet is down. I think he probably just threw his television out the window after 15 or 20 minutes of that absolute abomination today. Um, there's not much positive to take from that game. In fact, other than Luis Diaz, and I thought Harvey Elliott was bright, I don't think we take anything positive from that game. I think Klopp got his team selection wrong, but he started getting his substitutions right and then got one very wrong. Um, and all told, I think we're quite lucky to get a point. I think Brighton could have been three up after 15 minutes. We were a shambles. And then they went two up, and so that could have been four. And uh, we were very, very, very fortunate today. Yeah, I'd have to echo that sentiment as well. But, Carl, how are you first and your initial reactions as well? Well, um, I've decided that I'm going to take the same approach to these podcasts as Liverpool do to matches, so I'm actually not speaking until the 25th minute today. Okay then, Trev. Uh, okay then, Carl. Uh, Dave, your, your thoughts on Trent and Henderson in this game? We'll see you in 20 minutes, Carl. Um, <laughs> I was only joking, but we will get to them. I mean, we'll start with the um, starting 11s, because um, you mentioned there, Dave, that it wasn't one you agreed with, and I think most people were surprised when they saw, well, Henderson over Elliot, um, Bobby starting and Carvalho starting on the left wing. I suppose you can excuse it with some of the South American lads only returning like 10 minutes before kickoff, seemingly, but Elliot not playing is a is a big question mark. Well, Elliot just won Player of the Month for August and September. Now, whether he deserved them or not is a different matter, but he won Player of the Month for August and September. Jordan Henderson hasn't been good for Liverpool since February of the title-winning season. To give people an idea of how long ago that was, the pandemic hadn't begun on these islands when Jordan Henderson was last good for Liverpool. Uh, so how he walks back into the team, I don't know. Um, Bobby starting when Jota was really good last time out, a little bit questionable as well. Now, I know Bobby scored twice, but he didn't play well. Um, Carvalho starting. Again, like why was Tiopo Jota not starting left wing? If you were going to start Bobby through the middle... Surely you just start Jota left wing. Didn't I think Klopp did say all. the medical um, people said they'd probably not start Jota, so I'm guessing he got a knock or something with Portugal. 
that'd be the reason I'm guessing. I mean, fair enough, but uh, I don't know if he can come on and play twenty five, thirty. I, I think he can play longer. Uh, I've I've seen Brundish say it before mm-hmm. that if a player can can come on and play as a sub, they can generally start a game. So I, I just I just think he got it wrong. I mean, the, the decision to pick Henderson. There's no there's no meritocracy that puts Jordan Henderson in Liverpool's team now. It's it's absolute bullshit at this point that he's still starting games. He was dreadful all of last season. He's been dreadful this season. He's just back from injury. He decided to go and play for England rather than staying behind at the AXA and getting fit over the international break, uh, all to play five minutes in a meaningless game. Uh, there's just no there's no logical reason to play him at all. He has not been good in a long, long time. And that defeat or that that draw today, that's on Klopp. I know the players were poor and we'll get to them, but the team was disjointed. There was no shape. I mean, there was times in the first half when Henderson was to the left of Thiago, let alone Fabinho. Like, that's not your position. Get in position. And you just need to look at the second goal they scored and at one of their big chances. And you see how wide open our right side was. And look, we've criticised Harvey for leaving Trent a bit exposed, but he was more exposed today. Now, he was awful himself, and we'll we'll talk about Mm. him, but... I mean, the defensive work from Henderson in that game was an absolute disgrace. Uh, Carl, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, at any point, really. Um, That first 25 minutes of football today was as bad as anything I've seen this season. It was so, so poor. It was absolutely shocking. I mean, after, what we say, a month now, very, very nearly since our last Premier League match, um, and we'd been terrible this season up until, well, still, I suppose, but up until that point, um, obviously a, a better outing last time against Ajax and you'd be hoping therefore that people would come back with maybe heads cleared, there'd been a bit of uh, you know, some sort of discussion on the training ground about how to fix things. I didn't see anything had been fixed today. None of the problems that we've had all this season long had been fixed today in any way, shape or form. And I know that there's not been all the players there over the international break and all the rest of it. That's That's fine, but most of the time, if you've got like a, a tactical tweak or you know some sort of positional play that you're changing in the team, you do that the day before the match anyway. It's not like you need three weeks of practice for each thing to be integrated into the team. These are like you know instructions that elite level players will take on board for a single game sometimes or maybe a change which lasts for the rest of the season. And they might not get it perfect every single time, but you'll see it in play. You'll see it during the match that people are doing slightly different things. And there were probably a couple of those that we did see during the game as well. But the biggest problems we've had, pressure on the ball in midfield, non-existent. Energy really, really high upfield and therefore letting the, the previous lines, the midfield line push further up, uh, a little bit closer in, and then the defensive line push closer in. Did we see that? Maybe for about 10 minutes in the first half, and it certainly wasn't from the start of the game. Mm-hmm. Concentration issues from right from kickoff where we've been conceding the first goals and not even from the first chances we've conceded in the games, but the first goal after maybe two or three chances. We didn't see a change to that today. Uh, we didn't see a change in terms of the aggression in our play. We didn't see a change in concentration of tracking runners. It, it was so, so bad. Honest to God, that first 20 minutes, I mean, I said it on, on Twitter, if it's not Alisson in goal, we're at least 3-0 down by yeah. what, 15, 16 minutes on the clock, if not 4-0. You know, if Simon Mignolet is still in goal, it's 4-0. Uh, 
if Pepe Reina or maybe Bruce Grobelar is in goal, it's 3-0 because they would have saved the Welbeck header. None of our other goalkeepers saved that one-on-one that Alisson did on the edge of the six-yard mm. box with the leg outstretched. None of them. Nobody at all. The only reason we're in with a shout of a point, let alone three points in this game, is that goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, we'll we'll talk about Brighton in a, in a minute, but I mean, that first 20 minutes, I mean, when Trev asked me if I could step in the host because he was having these issues as he was, I presume, throwing his telly out the window, um, I said to him, because he obviously hadn't seen any of the game, I was saying to him, this was worse than Napoli. And I, I think it clearly was because Napoli... Mm. Uh, clearly, you'd have to say a better team than Brighton, and Brighton could have had the game four 0 as we say, by twenty minutes. Um, but yeah, Dave. I mean, you're obviously a fan of um, Deserby, who's taken over at Brighton. Um, lines up with a similar XI, but is there, is there any tweaks you see in there? I mean, obviously, M. who's injured or missing, uh, and they bring a stupid in and back to play left wing back or left back. Um, but any tweaks um, you see in, in the immediate from Deserby? A little bit surprised that he played uh, the back three, but I thought it worked for them. I thought you could see some slight little tweaks, like a bit more build-up through the middle, as opposed to you know the wide areas like the Potter had been using. Uh, March less involved in the build-up, more involved in the final third, a stupid and the same than say Trossard had been when he had been when he was playing as a wing back. But I, I just thought they, they set up really well. They had a very good shape. I thought the two boys in midfield, Caicedo and McAllister, despite going up against three midfielders for us, just absolutely controlled the first half and large chunks of the second half. Um, we couldn't get anywhere close to McAllister. Caicedo's defensive work was phenomenal. Even in a team that conceded three goals, his defensive work was outstanding. So, no, I think what what... Uh, De Zerbi has done is he's just kept going with what was working. You know, the two behind the striker, movement, pace, interplay, and a little bit more ruthless today than they have been under Graham Potter. Maybe making one extra pass before taking a shot to give themselves a, a better opportunity to raise that XG a little bit. And we we laughed at Brighton for a couple of years because they, they were winning games by on XG by like 3-1, but losing the game 1-0. Mm-hmm. Well, today, they they took their chances. They created really clear opportunities. And like Carol said, if it wasn't for the fact that the best goalkeeper in the world is employed by Liverpool, that game is over. When When their second goes in, that should have been their third or fourth goal, and that game would be over. Yeah, absolutely. And Carl, I mean, there's only one place to start, really, and that is with their first goal. Um, my stream took pity on me and died as he was kicking the ball into the net, so it was hard for me to analyse it. So can you break it down a bit in depth? Because obviously Trossard scores, but people are pointing the fingers at Trent and Henderson for this one, but I've not even seen replays, because why would I punish myself? Oh, pointing the fingers at Trent and Henderson seems like it might be a theme of, at the very least, this first half, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Um, oh, I, I don't even know where to start on this. Um, mentioned at the top about a lack of pressure on the ball. You can see that for about probably about two minutes before this goal goes in, even, like in, in different phases of play, obviously. It's just the same things over and over again. It's, it's nobody tracking runners. It's nobody being particularly close to stopping the passing lines where they should be. Um, actually, I thought Joel it had a really, really poor first period of the game as well. Yeah. 
not really mm. sure what that was about. He, he's you know, usually very I good. Thought he, I thought he had a poor game, Carol. I thought Danny yeah, Welbeck yeah. rinsed him. This, uh, you made an interesting point there about you know maybe an extra pass or something. One thing I saw from Gross and Trossard were both of them getting right alongside Welbeck in the mm. box, which is a different thing compared to when Potter. Obviously, their build-up play has always been really, really good, but sometimes they've like lacked, obviously, that extra person in the box or maybe not, like you say, being clinical because there are a bit more difficult chances that they have in the end. But they had, at times, like three centre-forwards playing. Yeah. And it was really, really good rotation from all of them. And we massively struggled with that. And this first goal was a pretty good example of that playing through... Uh, I should say little gaps between the defenders, but there weren't really. There were quite big gaps. The amount of times that I would say between the penalty box line and the six-yard box line, the amount of times that they had two players in between our players all game long was just absurd. I don't understand how that was allowed to happen at all. Um, I, I, honestly, it's like it's sometimes it's just like watching absolute schoolboy stuff. This really, really is. It's it's a cliche when you say it's a people are walking through or whatever, but this is just over and over again. It's what we're seeing. It's so, so bad in terms of either sticking in terms of closing off the passing lanes to the to these really, really obvious zones to move into, in terms of tracking the runner, in terms of actual winning challenges when you go in for them. Just the whole lot is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dave, do you want to add anything on the first goal? Yeah, look, I mean... Trent gets the headed clearance. It's not a great clearance, but it goes directly to a Liverpool player who is standing on the edge of his own box and can do a number of things with it. A fella who is six foot tall, fairly well built, portrays himself as a bit of a tough lad, and he just gets rolled by Caicedo. Like, it's embarrassing how weak he is in that challenge falls on the floor, and they just play through us and score. It Trent should do a bit better. Like, he should direct his header out of a central area, but it goes directly to a Liverpool player who could then head it on, who could then take it into himself and lay it off, but does neither. Just falls over. And... From there, it's it's very straightforward, and, and credit to Trossard, it's a really nice finish. But, I mean, he, he's absolutely gifted the goal. Yeah, it was a nice finish, but that that is not where the uh, first half ends. That is the narrative and the continuation of the first half, as we see. Um, in the 11th minute, we see that Danny Welbeck header. I think it's from a corner or a cross. I can't remember who cares at this stage. Um, then 13 minutes, I think we see that excellent save with his legs. Um, yeah, and again, Trossard could have had about 18 goals. Yeah, and, and again, game. but again, it's it's a midfielder, the same midfielder, not tracking his runner. He is marking. He is marking the player. He is marking Trossard. Yeah, and just gives up on it and lets Trossard run on. He picks the ball up. In the middle, in the middle of the box, completely unmarked, and it's a phenomenal save by Allison. Like it is an incredible save by Ali. It is world class. Mm-hmm. Flies out off his line, manages to get low while also keeping himself as big as possible. Makes a great save, but I mean, you know what? Four minutes later, they score again. Yeah, that's the thing. We come to the 18th minute. Again, a, a header by Trent. Or no, he tries to control it, doesn't he, on his chest, gets pickpocketed. 
Um, and then everyone just watches Brighton score a goal. I mm. think that's how it is because you see again similar night, similar again. You see Henderson. I think he passes on Trossard to Matip or Van Dijk. I can't remember. To, to nobody. Shuffle. He passed them on. To yeah, that, that, nobody exactly what I was going to say. He, he does pass it on, but he doesn't actually tell anybody <laughs> he passed it on. No. Yeah. This now, is a it, common it, thing with uh, him. Right. But in itself, that at that exact moment when he's doing that, it shouldn't be a problem because it's one against two. One yeah. of them should be able to see it and sort it out so that you know which is going. The problem comes after uh, Trent loses the first and it sort of works out to his side of the pitch, it's suddenly then two-on-one, which then means Matip has to go over because Henderson is passed on somebody but stayed central. Mm -hmm. So he's not really done anything there other than sort of cover five yards ground off to the side. So then it has to be Van Dijk's man because Matip has been dragged outside the penalty box at that point. So Henderson has to either hold his ground there as where Fabinho would generally tend to be if he was the six or something like that, or duck inside for um, Matip to stop the cutback. And he doesn't do either of those things either. No. And when the pass does come, he follows that out and so leaves that big gap again. Now, yeah, Virgil, at no point has gone to the, the man. You have to say that as well. He's not he has, but there's point. also a man behind Virgil. So if Virgil commits the Trossard, now, now there's an open defender on the other side or an open attack yeah, on this side. So, like... Yeah, Virgil should be more aggressive. He should be more decisive. But, I mean, you can't just pass people on just because you don't want to do your defensive work and then not do anything. Like, he passes them on and then just stands there and watches things build up and then reacts the wrong way. But that's the thing that the the word you just said, reacts, that is what every single player in that move did. Every mm. single one of those players did nothing other than react. They weren't already doing the job, even way before Trent's miscontrol. I think it was played out to their right side, so I presume that would have been March. He must be in about 25 yards of space there. And nobody's going to him until he's had a touch. And I think it was then Fabinho, maybe it was Thiago, but maybe it's Fabinho who started to sort of close him down, which means our number six is out on our left wing for one big switch of play. And nobody does anything during that whole period. It's so, so reactive. It's embarrassing. Well, shall we talk about, I mean, obviously the, I've seen genuine clap-out shouts now, and I probably won't do justice of actually legitimising that. Um, but what what's the bigger picture issue here, Dave? Because, I mean, the midfield's obviously been a big talking point on everyone on AI, everyone in the Liverpool fandom and stuff like that. But it has to be deeper than just not signing a midfielder. It has to be tactical. Like how how have we gone from being probably one of the hardest working teams in the world, um, pro, um, proactive, pressing, everything, aggressive? Now we just look lost. How, how has that changed in a summer? Like how how has that happened? Because before we score, I mean, who gives a toss if we slightly do less shit? Um, but what what is the bigger issue with Liverpool? There's a lack of effort. There's a distinct lack of effort in this team right now. Um, you're getting maybe 50% effort from Trent. Something's not right with him. Mm. I was watching him in the second half, and he was defending over on the our right right wing, their left wing, up 1v1 versus a Stupinen. And even just like his body position is so lazy. Like, he's going in hunched with flat feet. Like, he's not on his toes. He's not crouched. He's very, very easy to beat, 
We saw Stupin knock the ball past him a couple of times. We saw the the winger that came on, whose name escapes me, Matomo. Was that him? Mito- yeah, the, last, the Japanese lad. Yeah. The Japanese yeah, winger. Yeah. He came on, knocked it past him, and just ran. Just ran past him. But again, if you watch Trent as he comes over, like his body position is so, it's so soft. Like he's not giving himself an opportunity. If the defender, the the, the attacker goes either side of him, he's going to be beaten. He's not alive. He's not moving his feet properly. He's not twisting his hips. He's just slithering in and he's hunched. It's bizarre. His body position is, is awful. I thought, I think Virgil's been the same this season in terms of effort. Mm. He, I said this to Carl and scouted. Now, he disagreed with me, but I think Virgil's trying to manage his way through the season to, to get to that World Cup. I don't think he's fully committed. Now, I will say, uh, just after their second goal, he makes an absolutely outstanding block on Pascal Grouse. But I just don't think Virgil looks fully committed right now. I, I think the same is of the captain. Pulling out of tackles, soft in the challenge. Now, he's done those things in the past, but he always made up for it with effort. Like, he would yeah. run endlessly. And now, there's no effort. Like, that second goal highlights the lack of effort Jordan Henderson's putting in. He's never been a good defensive player, but he was always a player who worked incredibly hard. Now he doesn't work hard. He does not work hard for this team defensively. He might do an attack. We don't need him doing an attack. He's not good enough to affect the attack. We need him doing that defensively. He just doesn't do it. And you could point to a couple of others as well that maybe have one eye on a World Cup that they're worried about not getting to if they pick up an injury. But there's a lack of effort, and it it does fall on Jürgen and the coaching staff. But it's not like this was the first time we've seen it. We saw it straight out of the gap against Fulham. Straight out of the gap against Fulham. We looked like a really flat team with no energy, no enthusiasm, just trying to get ourselves through games, not looking like we were enjoying it, not looking like we were playing to win. You go back and look at our league form, take out that Bournemouth game. There's very little you'll find that was good from Liverpool this season. Very, very little. Mm. And, you know, you look at the games one by one. We were ahead against Fulham. Sorry, we were never ahead against Fulham. Um, We were never ahead against Palace. We were never ahead against United. We obviously destroyed Bournemouth. We were ahead against Newcastle for 30 seconds between Carvalho's goal and the final whistle. Never ahead against um, Everton. And, And then today, we were ahead for... How long? 20 minutes between Webster's goal. And we, we didn't really look like a team that knew how to take advantage of that either. Like once we went ahead, we, we kind of retreated into our shells a little bit. And obviously that goal was a complete fluke. We just don't look like we know how to win games at the minute unless teams gifted to us. Even in the Champions League, Napoli wiped the floor with us. We scored really late against Ajax to win the game. We just don't look like we know how to win games at the moment. And that's bizarre. This team has won an immense amount of games over the years. Now, the fortunate thing is we're still hard to beat because we're st- there's still really good players. Like, there's still a great goalkeeper. There's still a couple of really, well, a great centre-back and a really good centre-back. So even if they're not at their best, 
they're still better than most. But there's a lot of concerning things with this team right now. And it is on Jurgen to sort them out. And, you know, the, the clop out things. And I, I, full disclosure, I jokingly named this conversation clop out because I saw the same stuff on Twitter mm-hmm. as you saw. Like, that's, that's foolish. Like, that's absolutely nonsensical. Um, but let's be clear, like, this is on him. It's on him. He's seven years in the job now. And this is the first time it's really gone against him that there's been a bad run of form. Like, the first season, you, you, you threw out the league form because he took over a mess from Rodgers, and obviously the focus was on Europe. But after that, you know, we were building towards finishing top four. Same the following season, building towards top four. We had that great Champions League run. 18-19 was the first season that this team was really great when Ali and Fab arrived to, to join, you know, Virgil and Mo and, and Mane and whatever else. And that's when we took off and we were great through that run. We were great the following season when we won the league. The COVID year, look, every centre-back we had got injured, so we lost a whole bunch of games in a row at home. But you could write that off as you know, there's a real reason for that. We can see why that's happening. There are no central defenders. We're playing Henderson, who can't defend to save his life. Nat Phillips, who's a championship player. Reese Williams was in the conference before he was playing for us. And Ozan Quebec, who'd come in on loan. They were our centre-backs. You could understand us losing those games. Last season, there was no real poor runs. We had a few bad draws, but that was a bit it. This, this now, this is poor form. This is two wins from seven games. We're 11 points behind Arsenal. Now, we have a game in hand, but we're 11 points behind Arsenal. And we play Arsenal next. And, and we play a- Arsenal anyone, next. Anyone fancy that? Do you know, like, th- there's definitely something fundamentally wrong here. And it needs to get fixed really, really quickly. Yeah, Carl, feel free to add anything on there. But, I mean, we don't normally look ahead, but I think we kind of have to in the grand scheme of things. But... Dave mentioned players there with bad attitudes, and I'd agree um, with Trent certainly being the best example of that. I mean, I know he's vital to our system and etc., and it's, he's one of the biggest cogs, if not the biggest cog in how we play, but surely you just, you got to take him out the final. Like the whole crack with England, maybe that's had a mental effect on him, but you got to put, not Milner there, you got to put Gomez there, or if Calvin Ramsey actually exists in the next month or so. I, you've got to change stuff about and put Elliot back in midfield with, with the two good lads, but you can't just keep soldiering on with players who just look fucked. Yeah, I mean, look, I think a, a big part of the reason for Trent having to play all the time is because you know, the person we brought in to replace Nico Williams, who would challenge him, has been injured all season long. So you can sort of understand it. But like you say, Gomez could play there. It's, it's, yeah. it's a difficult thing to... Take out someone who, like you say, is so fundamental to the way that we play when there's not anybody else to come in and we're not playing well. You know, you could maybe accommodate, let's say, Gomez playing a run of two, three games if the rest of the team is functioning perfectly. But you don't want to take out someone who is, I'm talking here as a manager, as a coach, you don't want to take out your best players, your most important players, when the rest of the team is playing poorly either. The problem is, when Trent is playing so poorly like this, he doesn't contribute in the way that he would normally do to our build-up play. He was, he was all right in the second half in the build-up play quite a few times, but also still quite poor in the build-up play in a few times. So when you're not contributing to that as well as you normally do, and defensively or off the ball or 
even on the ball or decision making or whatever is as poor and as, as costly as it is at the minute, you have to do something. But at the moment, I think we could probably see by fitness, by seniority, by management decisions, if Trent comes out, it's Milner who's going to go yeah, You can absolutely see that for, for Rangers, for and example. It's, it's even more nonsense. Like, here's the thing. If, if you want what Trent can give you on the ball, but he's clearly having issues defensively, just put him in the field. Just change the shape a little bit. Why are we so married to 4-3-3? Why can't there be some small change to put Trent on the right of a midfield four and Diaz on the left of it and let the two boys who've been playing in the double pivot for the last year anyway with no help from the right-sided one, let them play in a double pivot and just simplify things. Stick Trent in front of Joe down the right you're better defensively. You still get what Trent offers you on the ball. You give him a bit of freedom that he can drop deep. He can get forward, whatever he wants to do. Like Klopp came out and said, one of the reasons we get exposed down the right is that Trent is often the player who presses highest on the right-hand side. That's great. Then tell your right-sided midfielder to drop. Like but We used to do that. I don't know why it changed. Did. Why has it like, changed? I- uh, there was one point today where Trent pressed um, Webster in in the left-back zone for Brighton. And Webster just hooked it down the line, aimlessly, to no, to nobody. But Welbeck came across to get to it. Now, Matip beat into the ball because, you know, he had a, a bit of a head start. But both of them came a full 20 yards to get to that ball. And... Where was our right-sided midfielder? He was stood next to Bobby. He was stood next to Bobby. There were times when he was ahead of Bobby. Like, if you're going to ask Trent to do the same things you've been asking Trent to do for years, then surely the right-sided midfielder needs to do the same things that you expect of him and not play a completely different role. But I, I just don't know why Klopp has to be so stubborn. Like, there's a simple change there which would allow you to play Salah more central and stop wasting him, stuck getting chalk on his boots, play Trent on the right of midfield, play Fab and Thiago in the centre, let Diaz play left wing, which, again, will help whoever's playing the left-back role because they won't be as... um, They don't have the demands on them to get forward as much because Diaz is playing more as a winger than a wide forward now. Play Salah up through the middle with one of the strikers. Like... It's a simple change, but it's a change where you're going to get the best out of more players than what's currently happening on the pitch. And Gomez, who has some flaws, there's no doubt, but he's a very, very good defensive player. He needs a run of games to get back to his best. This could be Joel's run of games. Play him there with Matip and Virgil or Ibu and Virgil. Robbo or Costas, whoever's at left back, and all of a sudden your defence can improve. And then in six weeks, maybe you can move Trent back. Maybe he gets his confidence back, he gets his energy back. Uh, six weeks, of course, the World Cup will be on, so that's around. Maybe in four weeks, you can move Trent back because he's back playing like Trent again. But for now, he's an empty shirt. And it's not just his defensive work. Like, well, in part it is. There was a couple of opportunities he had today to clear the ball. And he's striking the ball in such a half-arse manner. Mm. Like, he's just swinging his feet at it. He's not striking through the ball with any real purpose. 
We saw him under hit a bunch of passes today that he'd normally play in his sleep. We saw him take a couple of easy options that he normally wouldn't do. These are confidence things, but there's also there's something bigger here. Maybe it is the England thing, but let's not forget, he was playing badly before the international break as well. Yeah. So there's something bigger here with Trent. It is really, it is really concerning. I mean, Carl, feel free to add anything in, into that um, discussion there, but we'll get back on track with the game as well. Um, Salah has a chance, I think. Who cares? Um, but then he does set up Bobby Firmino for a goal as well. I, I presume he's passing it, or it might be the worst touch in football history. I'm going to go with a pass. Definitely a pass. Definitely yes. A pass. Um, everyone thought it was offside at first, and then the replay showed he was quite clearly onside. Uh, I think it's Henderson who dinks it over to him, passes to his right, uh, and Bobby tap, well, not taps it in, puts it in a some almost empty net. Um, yeah, we actually have good attackers, and when we can actually get the ball to him at times. Well, look, I think about five minutes before we scored that goal, we actually decided that we would be a football team today, yes. um, at least in part. And there was, I would say, about three players who really started to try and up the tempo a little bit. Diago, Firmino, and Carvalho as well. I don't think Carvalho had a good game. He had a couple of you know pretty poor first touches. Well, rest of it, but yeah, yeah, he had a quiet half a game. He had a very quiet second half of the game, of course. Yes. Um, <laughs> but... He was trying to move the ball quicker and he was trying to get us up the pitch a little bit quicker. And there were a couple of little you know, movements and one-touch passes which hadn't been made before. And then the crowd started actually trying to push us forward as well, which was quite good to hear because we've been, obviously they've been very, very quiet because they've just watched you know the equivalent of some sort of lorry crash spilling goods all over the motorway or something like mm-hmm. that. So that it was it was quite good and quite important maybe that the... Um, Supporters sort of tried to get on 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 side and maybe push the team on rather than waiting for something to happen for them to get excited about. And then we scored a goal out of mostly nothing. But it was Firmino again, um, a little drop deep and then a little, uh, I can't remember if he won the ball first or if he just played the ball forward first. And anyway, he continued his run and he sort of went around the outside. I think it was definitely a, a pass from Salah. There's no way that he's mm-hmm. miscontrolling the ball the way he put his, his, his foot to, to shape his touch. But also a really good finish from uh, Firmino, actually, because he could have just obviously hammered it or side-footed it or whatever, but he has purposely clipped it to lift it off the ground because he can see them sliding in for a couple of blocks. Uh, so for a moment, they allow you to believe that like, like things are going to be okay and we're actually going to turn up and play the rest of the day actually playing football and stuff like that. And then I don't know what it is. Like you say, there's, there's something bigger at play here. There's some deeper issue within our game psyche at the minute and we just stop like we'll have five minutes and we'll go sort of more or less all out of playing quite well and quite quickly and then we don't and then it's like very reactive again and there's a, another again lack of energy and it's a lack of movement and a lack of a lack of deliberation over everything we're doing almost it's very very frustrating to watch yeah really is i think salah has another shot where he should have passed um just before we go into the second half but i mean Dave, that first half, our goal aside, that that genuinely was up there with Napoli for the worst half of football. Yeah, it was absolutely. Um, funny enough, in in the in the build up to Bobby's goal, Henderson plays that pass, and then he throws his head back as if, oh shit, like you know, it, it hasn't gone to plan. But it was as Mo touched the ball, so I think he thought Mo. Had a horrible touch. I don't think he realised. 
that Moore was trying to pass it. Um, yeah, that it was it was hor- it was horrendous. It really was a horrendous half of football. Like like we said, we could have easily been four down. Um, but then you know Salah did have a, a decent half chance that Sanchez made made a decent save from, and then we got the goal and it all became a little bit mucky from from there on. Uh, they had a bit of a penalty shout just before half time that was was never anything other than Pascal Gross being you know a bit of a shit house. Um, yeah, it was it was just a really really poor half of football and we were very very fortunate to be going in. 2-1 down, it, it really should have been a wider gap. And you felt like, okay, if we can get through that only 2-1 down, we we do have a chance here because it's still Liverpool, it's still Anfield, it's still Van Dijk and Salah and Thiago and these great players that have, have won so many games. And, you know, you were just hoping Klopp was going to do the right thing at half-time, but, I mean... I didn't mind the change. It wouldn't have been the change. Diaz coming on was the right change. He just took off the wrong player. Yeah, yeah, I think a few would agree with that, but maybe he just wanted senior men on, which is probably part of the problem, um, which uh, I'm sure we'll discuss at other times. But yeah, we, we get into the second half. My note here is we start somewhat, well, I think Carl will do We look like a football team for a few minutes, but then it gets end-to-end. But Dave, we do... Um, equalise. Uh, we see the immediate impact of bringing on Diaz. Um, I think Henderson has a nice pass out to Thiago, who then passes on to Diaz, who just run finally runs at someone, um, and Bobby ends up with a nice goal. Yeah, I mean this is a nice, a nicely worked goal. Um, Fab with the cushioned header down for Henderson. Henderson plays the the correct ball. It's the only ball available to him really, is to Thiago. Um, but it, it is a decent pass. It's a, a simple pass by Thiago on to Diaz. And like you said, all Diaz really does is run. He doesn't do anything out of the ordinary. He doesn't try to be too creative or too clever with it. He just runs at the man and backs him up and backs him up and backs him up and then picks his time and, and picks the right pass. And it's a great first touch by Bobby. Gets it past the defender and it's a lovely finish. And it's the second good involvement Bobby has in the game because he'd been like Bobby was not good today, other than the two goals. And he'll probably get an eight out of ten because ratings tend to be based mm-hmm. on goals. But I mean, it, it is a really, really nice finish. It's you know, it it's very subtle. It's it's clipped and gives the keeper no chance. You're obviously in this WhatsApp group as well. I mean, did you um, see Neil's comparison with Ronaldo for United? I mean, obviously, chalk and cheese in terms of type of players there were, but is Bobby that detrimental to how we No, I, I, I didn't agree with that, to be yeah. fair. I could see the point in it, and certainly I thought at times today the ball was bouncing off Bobby a fair bit. But, I mean, at least with Bobby, regardless, you're still getting work rate, you're still getting effort, you're still getting him dropping off and linking the play. He's not just standing up front with his hands on his hips, you know, leaving his team to play with 10 men. Um, we, we we did largely play with 10 men, but it wasn't because of Bobby. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can see the um, the uh, the way he's saying it. But yeah, I think Ronaldo's just different levels of uh, selfish at this point. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you there. Um 
Carl, I'll come to you. I mean, Bobby, straight after his goal, feel free to add anything onto his goal, but he should have scored the the header just after. Um, was a nice cross from Henderson again. Um, but yeah, just just if he was a tad more clinical, he probably gets his hat trick, a perfect hat trick there. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think he maybe maybe ran onto it a little bit too too low as such. He didn't really have a good um, angle to really power the header, and then he just tried to steer it back across goal. I think at that point you're probably better off going either near post or just fully flinging yourself at it and going with power as such. So it was a little bit neither one thing nor the other in the end. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't think Firmino was bad. I don't. I don't think Firmino was in any way close to being the biggest problem that we have oh God. today. Oh no, God no. At the minute, so, <laughs> um, some of the channel work was decent. Some of the link play was fine. We know more or less what we're going to get with Firmino. There, there are. There are gradients, obviously, in terms of he can turn up looking drunk and be astonishingly bad. And sometimes you'll get that footwork that we saw for the second goal, for example, and look really, really good still. Um, but by by and large, you're going to get fairly okay, fairly good movement, positions to pick up the ball and work rate and defensively closing down and that kind of thing. But on the ball is a little bit less than we need it to be, um, probably more often than not now. But at the minute, you can't really say that he is, like I say, anywhere near one of the big problems. I mean, in terms of scoring and creation, we are way down on where we should be. In terms of scoring and creation, Firmino is probably higher than everyone would expect him to be. Mm-hmm. I think he's got five now for the season across all competitions, which puts him, puts him top of the squad. And at the minute, you kind of take what you can get in attack because the defence is so bad. You absolutely do. You absolutely do. I think we obviously weren't at our flowing best, but I don't think anyone would have pinpointed the uh, the attack as an issue today, seeing as we scored three bloody goals. Um, but, Carl, I'll stick with you. I mean, the subs... You mentioned before, like as we were on about our first goal, we, we were in one of them patches where we looked like a professional football team. And after the second goal, that's probably the best we were playing. We had control of the game. Henderson finally did a couple positive things. Um, Simicast didn't really do anything much, but to then bring them subs on, I mean, Milner and Elliot on for Simicast and Henderson. I mean, I think we all see the um, the reasoning for the the Elliot on for Henderson one, but Milner for Simicast, I I just don't get why. I don't know, other than what you said before, he wanted some senior players on, and if you're taking off Henderson, he feels like he has to have Milner on. Elliot's not, I mean, Simicast isn't 12-year-old, though. No, no, he's not. Yeah, like, but... You've got Virgil, you've got Thiago, you've got Fab. Like, I, I agree with you, Carl. I think that's what it is. He, yeah, I, I think he's got his safety blankets that he thinks don't let him down, but the two lads he thinks don't let him down are the lads that let him down week after week after week. I, I, I mean, I don't know what the story is with Simicast. I don't think he played well today. Don't get me wrong. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he was anything in particular today at all. And he was a bit annoyed to be going off. It, it, you quite clearly see he was like, "How am I the one going off here?" Which I kind of understand in that other people were worse, but I also don't really agree with because he wasn't good enough to stay on. If you know what I mean, you know, it's one of them games mm-hmm. where we, if you could make seven changes, you probably would again if we had seven players who were good enough in form to come on and actually do anything in the game anyway. Um, I, I don't like Milner at fullback anyway. I think Milner is fine to have as a 
a player who comes on and does a specific job. But again, as I've said with quite a few of the other players, that's when the rest of the team is functioning really well, which at the minute it's not. And Milner is not, at this point, is not one of the people you bring in to help the rest of the team function well. He's just not. And there were a couple of moments where build-up play, he was okay, um, you know, checking inside and the, you know, recite from possession, the rest of it. But most of it, not. Because you want it to be a bit more fluid and a bit more quick pace and a bit more when he does the overlap and gets the ball to put in a first-time cross. And it's obviously not when he's playing left-back. That's expected. That's not something that you can say is Milner's fault. But we know that that's going to happen. And it didn't help us. And defensively, they were attacking a lot more down the right-hand side than they were down our left. So he wasn't tested one-on-one as much as he might have been. But even so, there were still a couple of free kicks he gave away a couple of times when we were trying to play out, which... It was a little bit awkward because, again, he has to cut inside uh, and play infield towards our penalty goal again. I, I don't can only really assume understand that, that Rabble's going to be out for a little while. So Costas is going to have to play against Rangers. And Costas, I think, played both games for Greece when he was away. So maybe it's just a minutes thing where he didn't want. But you're right, Costas didn't look happy at all. Now, I think in part it was, why am I going off? And secondly... Why are you bringing him on instead of me? He's not He's not good. Like, players know how good other players are. And good players are going to get really pissed off when bad players are playing instead of them. But, uh, Carl, I'll ask you, I mean, if, if that is the case, isn't Rangers a game for Milner? Especially, I guess it is Anfield, uh, the first one, isn't it? I mean, just, yeah, in, this, just in this scenario where if Robbo's out, we need to rotate Simicasa, but not, I mean, not in an ideal world. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, it's the same discussions on the other side, isn't it? You could play Gomez there because we know he has done before. It's not going to be ideal, nor is it going to be ideal to have Gomez right back if we're trying to get ourselves back to the same way of playing and all the rest of it. But, I mean, against Rangers specifically, I wouldn't play Milner there at all. I mean, Rangers are fairly rubbish in terms of elite football level, but mm. what they do is attack wide. That's where, their, pace is, that's where their speed is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like their big build-up function, basically, is the wide forwards. So... I definitely wouldn't be bringing in Milner for that one. Out of the two mm. sides, I'd probably be playing him left back if I have to, because they have obviously inside forwards more often than not. But I don't want him starting. And if Simicas has got a problem in terms of fitness and minutes management after playing two international games when he's hardly in the team for the rest of the season and has to come off after an hour or one Premier League game, that's another concern for us. Yeah, sure, it's, sure. it's also building up his load though, like to yeah. go from to go from minimal minutes to loads of minutes in the space of three weeks probably just isn't ideal. So, I, you know, again, I wonder I, if the... It could well be. It absolutely could well be. But i got to say, after an hour of the state of the game where it was at that point, this is not minutes for management for me. This is tactical. This is a yeah. coaching decision, a technical decision yeah. that he's made. He's taken off Henderson. He wants Milner on the pitch. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. But I will say, I think the Zerbi did us a big favour because a few minutes later... Obviously, after we score, he brings on um, Matoma. Mm-hmm. I was really worried he was going to bring on Lamptey and play him right wing and just have Lamptey run at Milner. Well, he was, going, he was going to, didn't he? Then he, sat him, he sat, him, sat him down for like another five, ten minutes, didn't he? I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So that would have been terrifying. Didn't he get him sent off in his like Brighton debut season or something? I'm sure I remember. So. Or was that Nico? I mean, it might have been Nico Williams. The, that was the Nico Williams Yes, game, that was it? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Nico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he was on the left as well, that yes. side. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that should be a lesson for us. Stop yeah. putting him that side. <laughs> yeah, bad times. Um, bad times. Um, 
We do go free to up, Dave. My stream died, died, so I haven't, I haven't seen the goal. I, uh, I didn't see the goal, but I understand it was just a corner that Sanchez screwed up, wasn't it? And it, it went in. <laughs> it's a badly hit corner. <laughs> yeah, that the, that the oh, keeper yeah. should deal with very, very easily, and he makes an absolute hames of it. Punches the ball into his own defender, and Webster can do nothing. It just hits him and goes in. Um, shout out to Robert Sanchez, though. I mean. Man came to the game today dressed in what looked like the type of marigolds you'd do your dishes like. Uh, not quite sure what, what they're about, but that's, he's he's just not a good goalkeeper. I'm sorry. He made a couple of good saves today. But that's the second absolute stinker he's had this season. That one and the one at Old Trafford. It's just, it's awful. There's, there's no pressure on him. He's not going to collide with anybody. And yet, it's the weakest possible punch. Like it's just, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking goalkeeping. Um, it's not a great, a great cross by Trent, but at least he'll get an assist from it. Yeah, it is an odd one with that Sanchez. I know you kind of, I don't want to say defended, but you've you've legitimised why you replaced Matty Ryan at the time. But you see him. I think you see a lot of fans say he could probably make the jump to a team like United, who have modern goalkeeper issues and stuff like that. Well, I hope he does. Yes, yeah, same here, but I, I just don't see it like he's... I don't know, he's just like a lanky Ramsdale. That's what I'm kind of seeing. He's massive, yeah, like yeah. he's 6'6". But, I mean, even he gets lauded for his ability on the ball, and he, he pinged a couple of nice passes today. But he's also has, like, there was that moment in the first half God. where he takes, like, a really heavy touch, and then he's really laboured on it. And you're like, this guy's yeah. meant to be, yeah, yeah. like, elite on the ball. And you see all the analytics nerds love him. Love him. But the guy's poor on crosses, and he he's not as good with his feet as people make him out to be. I think being Spanish probably helps. I think people just assume he's a little bit better than he is because he's Spanish. Possibly, possibly. Um, yeah, Carl. Any, anything on the on the on goal? That's, yeah, I didn't see it. But if you want to have a laugh at their keeper, feel free. Um, well, I mean, I think we've done that enough, probably. But I, I think that entire set piece was quite laughable. I mean, even before the missed punch, we had two players jumping on the near post. Both of them missed mm. the header, uh, and then it's bounced in, which would have been presumably a, I don't know if it would have been a handball because I think his arm was still pretty much down. But in any case, an absolute joke all around of a goal. My my bigger frustration here is that once we go three two up, I think Dave mentioned something similar before. We just didn't have anything, we didn't have any idea of what to do with the game at that point. It's like. All season long, we've been chasing, basically. And in this game, again, we were chasing all game. And then once we were finally ahead, we just didn't have a really good idea of what to do. We were not still all out attacking and you know on the front foot and offensive and aggressive and trying to get ourselves a fourth goal. We had zero control of this game at any mm-hmm. point at all. You know, they, they sat back for the second half because they had a bit of a lead to protect or whatever. And obviously, we've got ourselves ahead. But at that point, we were not like, you know, maintaining possession well. We did not have really good shape. We were not difficult to break down. We were not anything. This was, again, I just referred to the same word as I did before, schoolboy. It was really, really childish play again. It was really immature before the international break in at least two or three games, some of the defending that we had. And this again, after going 3-2 up at home with half an hour of the match to go, and even after that in 20 minutes of the match to go, and they got behind us in the same manner as their equalising goal about three times before they finally scored from it. It was so, so mm-hmm. poor. We had no management of this at all. 
Yeah, in, in between um, our goal and their goal, my, my laptop decides to die at 50% battery, which is a good sign for my laptop. Um, uh, Alison apparently makes a good save, which I haven't seen. And Was their left-back lucky to stay on? The two things I've seen noted on in the WhatsApps and social media. No, I think I think it was... Thiago was dribbling with the ball. He just hung a leg. I don't think it would have been... I don't think it was a yellow card challenge. I really don't. I think it would have been very, very harsh if he'd been given a second yellow for that, considering he got given it. Like, the one thing I will say, I thought Bobby Madley had, had a, a a bit of a mixed game as referee, but I did like that he booked a stupid and early for time-wasting. Like, the keeper had time-wasted from the ninth minute but he booked a stupid and on a throw-in early in the game. And I thought that set a good tone because it meant that they couldn't dick about too much. Yeah. Um, I, I think it would have been really harsh if he'd been sent off. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see it, but hopefully... I, well, I won't, will I watch match of the day? Probably no. not. Probably not. Um, 75 minutes, I'm back. I've got my laptop loaded back up. Um, I haven't noted anything else other than the goal, but Dave, I mean... Free all. Christ. Um, Van Dyke does a love run, uh, air kicks the ball. Mm. Milner has no clue where Trossard is, even though he looked at him at least three times and then just ignored him. Um, and yeah, this is another systemic thing. We're really shit at blocking crosses. I, Which just... is so strange because we mm. used to be really, really good at it. I, I don't really understand it. I mean, look. We go three three two up, and I thought the Zerbi did us a big favor because obviously we played with ten men basically the entire game, Brian and then and then Milner, and then the Zerbi said, "Well, maybe we'll play with ten men now that we're behind," and he puts on the empty shirt that is Adam Lalana for a Stupinen, and you know there's there's just chaos in our defense because every time. Uh, Matoma gets the ball, he just runs at Trent and he's running past him with a big smile on his face. He's dribbling past people on the edge of our box with ease and no one's getting close to him. It's not a particularly good cross into the box. I don't know if it takes a, a deflection that brings it through Virgil's legs as he tries to clear it. I don't know what happens there. Um, But it, it's just, it's such poor defending. And then like you said, I mean, it's it's a Lovren tribute act from both Virgil with the air kick and Milner. He looks at Trossard, he looks at him again, he wanders away, then looks at him a third time, and then doesn't even think to try and get back to him. Like, just awful. Absolutely shocking defending all across the board. On, on all three of their goals, our defensive work was absolutely shambolic. And... We didn't. They deserve that equaliser. Like they really did deserve that equaliser. But it's worth pointing out, Trossard couldn't run at that point. Like he'd been yeah. down receiving treatment. He was walking around. He had to go off a couple minutes later. He could barely run off the pitch. The fella couldn't move. So there's no excuse for Milner to be that far away from him. Should be up tight to him. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. I think my my bigger annoyance here other than the fact that you know it was a goal is the fact that like i said they literally had this exact same move about three times before they scored from it which was mm. just a really simple ball out wide to the left a one two and a third man runner to go in behind and then you got the ball inside the penalty box but on the touchline and then there's a cutback from someone to somebody else and i think one time it went to Welbeck and he couldn't control it one time 
Trossard over-controlled it out of play. And then obviously this time, got, and there was just no learning from it. There was no extra cover from it. There was no anything different to stop it happening over and over and over again. It was just so, so poor. It really was dreadful. Um, nothing really left. We have a free kick. Nobody in the world thought we were scoring that free kick because I don't think we've scored a free kick since Steven Gerrard was here. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carl, I mean, where does this leave? We're obviously... We're oh, not... there is one other thing. Yeah. So they score in the 83rd minute. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck does Klopp wait five minutes to bring Darwin on? That's a good point. Like, why does he wait five minutes? He doesn't mm. know there's going to be five minutes of added time. There might have been three. Why didn't he bring... He should have been up and ready to go. It's, it's when that third goal went in, while they're celebrating, Klopp should be getting Darwin onto the pitch. And he leaves it five full minutes before he brings him on. And then expects him to go on and do something. Like, it, mm. absolutely awful. Really bad game management. But, I mean, Carl, we're currently sat ninth in the league. Game in hand, who gives a toss, probably lose it. Um... Brighton a fall, fucking hell. Um, we're on ten points, but where does that leave us? I mean, unless there's a drastic turnaround, uh, what what are we aiming for this season? I mean, fuck the Champions League. We're not going to win that playing like this. Um, is it is it one of them season we got to avoid the Europa fucking league, like Europa Conference League? Or are we really in the top four battle? Because Chelsea were drawing and nabbed a winner at the end. And they're still learning from a new manager. Where it looks like, well, we had a break and we got fucking worse. Well, yes, we've certainly not got better. I think that's the big point. I mean, you've got to, first of all, as I said, after a couple of roars already this season, so learning lessons is going well. We've got to just forget about anything in terms of what will be at the end of the season. you just got to get your form right. You've got to get the performances right. You've got to get the jobs off the ball in particular right. Now, on the ball, we can look all right sometimes. And like When Brighton gave us loads of the ball today, Thiago got on the ball a bit more. We started to look better. His passing was pretty atrocious by, by his own levels in the mm-hmm. first half. He was much better second half. Uh, so we looked like we were capable of scoring chances again or creating chances which were goal-scoring worthy. That's fine when we're in possession. But every single time, as soon as we lost the ball, even in the second half, they've still got a really good chance of scoring themselves. And we've said already, Brighton are not the most outrageously good final third team. They haven't been for ages. They've been really good defensively and we managed to um, uh, break through that today several times ourselves, that's good. But off the ball, not enough pressure, not enough energy, not enough positional play, which is good, not really good partnerships anywhere on the pitch. It's so reliant at the minute on racing back and making a challenge or Alisson making a big save. That's not sustainable for any kind of top sevenness at all for this season or Champions League progression or anything at all. So the first thing you have to do is use each game as it's come to, to improve. Once you start doing that, we'll suddenly notice, assuming it happens, of course, that we have suddenly given ourselves like a five-match unbeaten streak or one three in a row in the Premier League or something like something will happen and we'll suddenly say, oh, now we're closer to the top four again. Obviously, the top four has to be our minimum overall objective here. I don't want to hear anything else about anything else at all. But at the minute, we're miles off that. Absolutely miles off that. Even if you take Brighton out of the equation across the, uh, the course of a season, Chelsea go into fourth, let's say. That's that's still going to be very, very difficult to yeah. not to keep pace with because we, you know, we're not exactly miles off them. It's only three points at the minute, but with the lack of consistency we've got at the minute, it's going to be very, very difficult to overhaul unless big improvements are made. It, this is, goes back to what I said before the international break and then in Scouted before this match as well. 
there has to have been a conversation between the coach and staff where they say, this isn't working and this isn't working and this isn't working. They cannot be telling themselves what they tell us in post-match press conferences. That can't be the case. If it is, they're all deluding themselves. I don't believe for a minute that Klopp is saying the same stuff at the uh, at the Kirby training centre as he is in you know after matches and, and before games and all the rest of it. Mm. I, I can't believe that they are that blind to what is happening. It's it's just not allowed to be the case. So you've got to improve game by game. You've got to take it one game at a time. Like we used to say all the time, it was boring, but that's what actually got us to the top. You know, it's just one game and you have to put the performance in in that one and then you move to the next one. And I think we have to be a bit more ruthless in the team selection as well. Quite a bit more ruthless, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, you brought up the Arsenal match next weekend. Do you know what? We I'm... can't lose that game now, <laughs> We can't it's lose not... that game. But do you know what? what? What's Arsenal's biggest strength this season? It's rotation of movement in the front line. That, mm. That's as simple as that. They have such, such good movement between Martinelli, Saka, Jesus, and even Granit Xhaka getting himself into the final third at the moment. This season, Granit Xhaka running strength. off Henderson's yeah, yeah. going to be fucking amazing. Xhaka uh, <laughs> will absolutely roast him. He'll roast him next weekend. You watch Martin Odegaard will be dinking in behind him as well. You'll have Zinchenko. And Henderson won't know who to pick up. And then he'll just pass them on to other people. And he'll stand um, around looking clueless. This this runners into the box has been a thing for a long, long time for Liverpool, but this season is, is the worst it's been for probably four years. Runners off from midfield, rotation of forwards, getting between the defenders who apparently just don't have a clue where they're supposed to be. That's Arsenal's biggest strength. It's a big, big concern for a week from now. And we've got a game before that anyway. Yeah. A year ago, we'd drawn three of our first seven games. And that was a bit of a disappointing start, considering one of those draws was against Brentford. You didn't mind the Chelsea and City one so much, even the Chelsea one where we played against 10 men for half the game. But we still saw that as a bit of a disappointing start to have dropped points in three games from the first seven. But we never, we, we were second. <laughs> we were second after seven games last season. The lowest we ever were was, was fifth after three games. We'd been top after six games. And once we got into second in week seven, the lowest we ever went was four. When West Ham beat us, we dropped to fourth. Like, this is this is uncharted territory for this Liverpool team, other than that COVID year. And I, I, I really hope they have a solution. Um, there's a really interesting piece on Sam Maguire's Patreon about how this shape, this system, this is Pep and Linders. This is the same crap that he tried at NEC that didn't work from at all. And it seems to me like the more influence he has, the worse we get. And that is something that Jurgen Klopp needs to take care of. That's our next manager you're speaking on, Dave. I don't give a shit who he is. <laughs> he, he is having far too much influence in this team right now. This way of playing is his way of playing. This isn't Jurgen Klopp football. This isn't how Klopp wants to play. It never has been. This is Linders. That right-sided role being basically a free role, great if you've got a player worthy of it, but the lads we have aren't worthy of it. Like I said, there are simple fixes to get this team back to at least a point where they can functionally go out and win games, be more solid defensively, tighter as a unit and rely on the likes of Salah and Darwin and Diaz and Jota to go and win us games of football. But now, at the moment, we're not putting any of these lads in positions 
where they can impact the game in the way that we know they're capable. I mean, Salah's been absolutely wasted so far this season. I was just going to say the absurdity of what we're doing at the minute all over the pitch is reflected in the fact that we've mentioned Salah, Mohamed Salah, about Mm. four times on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when he took it upon himself to try and do something as well. Literally. And he's having to try and do it all by himself. Like, there's something fundamentally wrong with this group at the moment. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's been a falling out that we don't know of. Maybe there's obviously something went wrong in preseason. Um, it was notable that the club doctor left at such an unusual time. Not generally something you'd want. There's that Simon Hughes piece in The Athletic painted a picture of quite a chaotic club behind the scenes, which isn't really what we would have Im- imagined was going on. You know, a lot of people in and out, a lot of disagreements, a lot of pandering. And, I mean, you can tell even with the team selection, there's a lot of pandering. Klopp needs to sort it out and needs to sort it out soon. Because if he doesn't, this season's going to turn into a disaster. And I'll tell you here and now, if we don't get top four, we need to finish eighth. Not sixth, not seventh, eighth. Because mm. I don't want any part of that Conference League crap and I don't want to be in the Europa League. But if we were to finish eighth, at least you could back us to go and do something next season. But if we finish eighth, we're not getting we're not getting Jude Bellingham. We'll have we're to pay getting, FSG. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We're not going to get the players that we need. So obviously, mistakes were made in the summer. It was a, it was a poor transfer window overall. The biggest need was not addressed. Uh, poor decisions in terms of player retention were made again. And that those mistakes are on one person. They are on Jurgen Klopp. And the failures of this season are on him. And he needs to be the one to react now. He needs to be the one that takes back a bit more control of his team, his club. He needs to be the one that drags those lads into rooms and asks them what the fuck the problem is. And he needs to be the one that figures out the solutions. He's paid $11 million a year to do this job. Now he needs to earn it a bit more. And more importantly, you lot will make me do Raw if we get Thursday night football, and I can't be asked. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Grade A talent like myself does not work Thursday nights. Absolutely. Um, but final thoughts before we go, Carl. Or anything you want to plug as well? No, I don't want to plug anything at all after that, and I don't even have any final thoughts other than to repeat what I've already said, to be honest. Um, I mean, like, I took a few look at the stats. I mean, to be honest... I don't want to keep picking on Henderson because we've already said everything that we need to, which is relevant about um, a lot of his performance level and who should or should not be in the team. But I had a look at half time after what was an absolute abomination. He, he's playing central midfield for Liverpool at home. He had 25 touches of the ball in the first half. Mm. And not all of them were very good. I think we've already covered that. There were a few very, very good ones. Like for the goal was obviously quite good. There was a, a clipped ball from... I think right channel over to the other side, which started a move. Second half, he sent over a good cross that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, was that Bobby Firmino's header? I can't yeah, remember was, now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are a couple of other bits where on the ball, he was better than he has been for quite a bit this season, to be perfectly honest. But off the ball, this is not exclusive to Henderson, but off the ball, Henderson has been atrocious for a long mm. time now. And this is being mirrored in loads of areas of the team. And I keep saying that the lack of energy, the lack of aggression, lack of intensity, lack of um, very, very 
it's not instinctive because it's not something that the players just do by themselves. It's something that's supposed to have been ingrained in them on the training pitch, but it's proactive about it. It's before the events happen. At the minute, everything is reactive. When we don't have possession, everything is after the opposition has already done their move. It cannot be the way. You can't win football games at the top level like that. that that's been the case for like over a decade now. I don't know why we've regressed so, so much this season in those in those terms. But I do know that at this level of football, it only takes a bit of a drop-off from your team and you go down a lot in the league. And yeah. this is true for the teams who are challenging for the title and for the teams who have been in mid-table. You've only got to look at Leicester, right? Nothing to do with Liverpool at all. Leicester's team is not that bad. But Leicester's drop-off in performance level is quite a bit. And that has seen them go from 6th, 7th to 20th. Yeah, and it's exactly the same as we're doing at the minute. We've had quite a bit of a drop off off the ball, and that's seen us go from first or second down to mid table at the minute. Yeah, you have to be a lot better than that, a lot, lot better. Well, look, when you're captain and your standard setter as a mid table player, that's what you're going to be. That's just what it is. Um, after 15 minutes today playing in central midfield for Liverpool at home, he had, excluding kickoffs. He had completed two passes and given the ball away twice. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, we need January transfer window, don't we? We need to get through to the World Cup. Get yeah. through these games, get to the World Cup, and the minute the minute that last game ends before the World Cup break, Julian Ward needs to get his shit together and get his arson gear. Because we need players coming in the door on January 1st, ready to play. Including that fellow who played against us today. Moises Casado was absolutely outstanding again today. And that kid would solve so many of our problems in midfield. He is magnificent. Brilliant defensively. Understated on the ball. Really, really quick. Kept pace with Salah multiple times today. Yeah. Chasing back. Like, just an outstanding player. Exactly what we're lacking and have been lacking since Wijnaldum left. The issues in midfield cost us the title in the Champions League last year. This season, they've made us a midfield, a mid-table team. We're a mid-table team. That's what we are right now. Mid-table. That's the Europa League. We are miles behind. Like, the thing is, it's not like Arsenal are great. Like, they're not a fantastic team by any stretch. They're just a good team. They're 11 points clear. They've played a game more. Like, City haven't been close to their best. Seven points clear of us. Spurs haven't been great. Seven points clear of us. Brighton. Brighton. They're four points clear of us. Chelsea have been poor this season. They've sacked their manager. They've sacked their manager. And they're three points clear of us. United have regressed to playing Ollie Ball. And regardless of what happens to them tomorrow against City... They're two points clear of us. United are poor. They're two points clear of us. Newcastle are ahead of us. Now, it's one point we do have a game in hand. But still, our game in hand is against Chelsea. Do you know what? The, another worrying and thing I have is... Just one last thing. Our goal difference, Carl, if we take out the Bournemouth game, our goal difference would be zero from six games. That's awful. The... Another thing that I was a little bit concerned about, it didn't apply for today, but in terms of games going forward, because after Rangers, we've got like a succession of very important mm -hmm. matches. Um, this Liverpool team and where we are in the table and results and inconsistency and all the rest of it, it's a little bit like either just before Klopp signed for us or any particular point of the 90s and 2000s, you want Liverpool, 
know, it's like we're trying to get somewhere, but we're not as good as the top teams at the minute. But for all of those years, when it came to like a really, really big game or a key fixture or playing a rival or anything like that, you could pretty much count on Liverpool to be up for the game and like really aggressive and play for, we wouldn't necessarily win all the games because we were still pretty crap for a lot of those years, but we'd be massively up for it. And we would put in a really decent by those levels performance. But so far in the big games this year, are probably where we've been worst. Man United, we were dreadful. Everton, we were so, so yeah. reductive in what Lazy, we did. Yeah. yeah. Napoli, big Champions League game, probably the most difficult one of the group stage one of the worst things, not even related to football, just one of the worst things I've seen this year. And this has been a pretty crap year. Um, it's just been very worrying. I, I would have been very concerned about that Chelsea game and it gone ahead. Arsenal's obviously going to be a big one. And then it's Man City very soon after that. Even Nottingham Forest, how, how up for that are they going to be? Ajax again, Leeds, these are all huge games. It's not going to be a very fun period between now and the World Cup if we don't improve about 60%. Even Rangers are going to be a fucking shit show. Um, any plugs from you both before we go? Scouted. Yeah, they'll be scouted. Yeah. If you need to be depressed ahead of the midweek encounter, <laughs> tune in. You know, Jürgen said book your tickets for Istanbul. He must be planning on going there on his holidays because we certainly won't be playing the Champions League final with this. Well, we'll probably play for Shikshi that's fucking the Europa League. Um, oh, I was going to say, it's where we're going to have <laughs> our uh, winter break friendlies, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Check out Scouted if you want to see two League One teams um, get predicted and previewed. Um, but that's it. I assume Trev will have internet and will fix his TV that is on his uh, on the fields of of Ireland um, at the min. But yeah, I will be back myself with rate don't hate for this with low numbers. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. And find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.